This podcast is a quest for well-being, a quest for a meaningful life through the exploration of fundamental truths, enlightening ideas, insights on physical, mental, and spiritual health. The inspiration is love. The aspiration is to awaken new ways of thinking that can lead us to a new way of being. Being well. Welcome to Body, Mind, and Soul Healing Conversations. When we go through hard times in life, it is so easy to get caught up in seeing everything with a cloud over it. This is especially true when someone has offended or hurt us deeply. We start to see ourselves as a victim, and the longer we think that way, the more we lose the ability to handle situations well. Sometimes, going from victim to master may require outside help. Diane McKim has helped clients make this transition and have seen them begin a new and fresh walk in freedom. Valeria Telles interviews Diane McKim, a multi-certified leadership, life empowerment coach, strengths champion certified coach, director divorce care for women, author, speaker, and workshop facilitator. Diane McKim, principal of Precious Stones Coaching, has experienced many challenging and heartbreaking life circumstances, giving her a unique perspective to connect deeply with her clients. She is an abusive relationship survivor has navigated through a long and difficult divorce which resulted in her running a household, working full-time in corporate America, and raising children simultaneously as a single mom for 14 years. She has dealt with family issues, the loss of jobs, friends that came and went, family members passing away, and very low self-esteem. After her divorce, she had to rebuild her life, rediscover herself, and strengthen her confidence. As she did, she learned how to stand strong in her abilities, understand her value, and embrace her identity. As her confidence grew, she discovered how to have professional success, personal contentment, and spiritual fulfillment. Today, she walks in the freedom she was designed and created to enjoy. Her life verse is from Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Married with two children, two stepchildren, and one grandchild, Diane grew up in and lives in New York's lower Hudson Valley. She loves the beach, her true happy place, working on jigsaw puzzles, worship music, studying the Bible, and spending time with family and friends. Meet Diane at PreciousStonesCoaching.com. Here's the interview with Diane McKim. In your own words, who is Diane McKim? Diane McKim is a child of God. That's first and foremost. Um, I take that that as it's like the air I breathe, so I can't ever separate myself from that. Um, You know, I play certain roles in life. So I'm a wife, I'm a mom, daughter, sister, friend, um, believer in Jesus Christ and uh, lover of life. Uh, I have some questions for you. The first one is about spirituality. And I guess more specifically, when you say God, what do you mean by that? What, where, and who is God to you? God is the creator of everything. 
Uh, he is everywhere. He lives within me because I believe in the truth of the Bible and uh, his son, Jesus Christ. And so when I accepted Jesus as my personal savior, he came and he resides within my heart and he's my guide through the Holy Spirit. And that is who he is to me. He's, he is the one I turn to when I need help. He's the one I turn to when I'm rejoicing. He's the one I turn to for everything. Would you say that God is love or somehow Absolutely. separate? God is love. Um, in his word, he actually says that God is love. Yes. I love that idea because <laughs> that becomes more universal in a way, doesn't it, Diane? This idea of love, especially unconditional love. I talk a lot about it and I try to kind of understand and explore more this idea if we as humans are able to love unconditionally. Do you believe that that is possible once we have the connection with what you call God? I'm not sure if it's really possible completely because we are we are flesh and bone and we we have um, a sin nature from birth. So there are moments and times where we can love deeply. But I only believe God really fully loves unconditionally, because even in our best of intentions, there's something inside of us that wants something in return. When we love, we want to be acknowledged. We want to be cared for. We want all those things. God does as well, but he doesn't ever hold a grudge against us. He will always love us no matter what we do. That sounds amazing. And you don't believe that we can do that as human beings? Not fully. I think we can, we can certainly do well. And even with the Lord, we can do better, certainly, than without the Lord in our life. Right. But but even with the Lord, there's still a little bit of our flesh that can come through. Um, another question I have for you that I often ask Christians is the idea of God as uh, a man, the he pronoun. Is that uh, something that sometimes you're open to change it to she or it, or it's always he for some reason, because you have been taught that way? It is always he um, in my my understanding of the Bible which is where I take the truth from about who he is. Um, there's a Trinity. It's God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Each one re is referred to as a he, um, including the Holy Spirit. Many people will refer to the Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost. You may have heard yeah. as an it. it is, yeah. The Holy Spirit is not an it. It is a he as well. So this is something that you have learned. How did you become a Christian, Diane? Well, I became a Christian many years ago. Uh, when I was going through a really, really bad time, um, I was going through a rough divorce and um, I was really struggling in life. I, I had an interesting in experience with someone at work who um, had a friend yeah. who wanted to do some things. And so I joined her on a venture out to a church. I had no real uh, spiritual connection at that time. But we went to a church together and she decided to keep going for a little bit, invited me to come back. Oh, you should come. They are really nice here. And yeah. so I went and I sat in a Sunday school class with maybe 50 people and didn't know anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and a, a woman got up to start singing a worship song. And as soon as she started to sing this very simple, beautiful song called Isn't He, I started to cry. Yeah. 
Mm. Tears were pouring out of my eyes. I didn't understand then what was happening, but I was so touched by how simple that message was. And I just kept going and going. And somewhere around January of 1995 is when I came to accept Jesus as my savior, understanding how much he loved me. Do you believe that God has given us the life, this opportunity to be in a human body to experience everything? Or this is something that we chose personally to experience the challenges, the hardships? I believe that we are given life when we're born, right? So um, we come into this world and we have life. We are given free will. So we get to make a lot of choices all on our own. His word, the Bible, is our guidebook, if you will. And it can help uh, restrain us from making some poor choices in life so that we will choose more wisely. However, we are not forced to choose God. We are not forced to choose in that direction. He gives us free will. And that um, can lead us down paths where there can be a lot of struggle and a lot of challenges and heartache. And I often wonder why some of us choose this path of unconditional love, and some of us never do. Do you wonder? I think, yeah, you know, there's so many factors that can go into the answer to that kind of a a wondering question. Some of it is our upbringing, some of it's the environment we, you know, the culture we were raised in, the country we were raised in, whether we were rich or whether we were poor or or middle class. And uh, what did our parents believe? What kinds of friends did we have? I mean, the list goes on and on. There's so many factors that can can take us down one path or another. Um, our, even our chemical makeup of our bodies sometimes cause us to take different directions. What do you love most about being in a human body, being a human? What is the most exciting thing about it? That is a very different kind of question, Valerie. <laughs> yeah. I can honestly say that one. What do I love about being a human, being in my human body? Um, I, You know, I think I love the fact that that I get to make a choice. I get to be and I get to feel and I get to experience all the amazing things that the Lord has given to everyone, nature and the beautiful sunshine. Right now it's a little humid here, but in general, the beautiful sunshine and get to go to the ocean and enjoy that. And wherever we could go to the mountains or the lakes or the rivers, and he's given us so many things to enjoy. Other people, friendships, family. It's just, I I love life. So I just get to enjoy all of it. And my last warm up question for you is freedom. How do you define freedom these days? I, I believe freedom is really the, the, that we can make a choice. We live in a free country. I know that there's lots of discussion about that these days, and we won't even go there. But compared to so many other nations, we really have a very free nation. We really do get to make a lot of choices on our own. We get to go where we want. We don't have to carry papers and cross over borders and things. You know, we just we have the ability to do what we want, when we want, how we want, where we want. And um, that that gives us freedom. It's a it's really a beautiful thing that if you really don't grasp it, uh, you're missing out on something, I think. 
I agree. I come from Brazil and I remember thinking this way when I got here 25 years ago, like, wow, this is like paradise <laughs> in comparison to my country. Um, we had so many, I mean, we still have so many challenges there with the government and I mean, poverty and, um, and the list goes on. From that level, I would say what the body is, yeah, this has been a gift to me to be here. Yeah. Yeah. And I kind of associate that with freedom, too. I don't yeah. think in the rest of the world, well, I should say that if you go anywhere in the rest of the world, let me say it that way. I traveled one time to Greece, and I think that's when my eyes were really opened to see another country that's not connected to the United States. Like if you drive into Canada, it doesn't seem like much different. Um, parts of Mexico might, but... Um, but if you travel to some of the old European countries and some of these other places, you really get an eye opening and see how different it is here and yeah. what a young nation we have compared to a lot of the rest of the world as well. So talk to me for a moment about the your coaching business and services. The title is A Principle of Precious Stones Coaching, which you are a leadership, life and empowerment coach. So talk to me for a moment about the services and how would you describe them and how can anyone participate in them? Sure. So my coaching practice, my focus, I, I, I kind of think of it like a three prong focus. Uh, so I will coach personally, professionally or spiritually or some combination thereof. So on a personal level, it could be um, you're recovering from a divorce. I went through a divorce, so I have that background. I understand what that is. I was a single mom for 14 plus years, so I understand what that's all about. I worked full time the whole time that I was a single mom, so I know what that's like to try to find work-life balance. Um, so you could be struggling with stress management. You could be dealing with uh, just family issues. I don't know how to move. I feel like I'm stuck and I don't know what to do all kinds of things. I have so many offenses. People have offended me. And now I feel like I don't know what to do with all of those. So there's a lot of things in the personal side of life that I have a lot of personal experience with, as well as the training. On the professional side, I spent 35 plus years in corporate America in all kinds of positions. So I understand what that's like when you're out in the business world and what is it like, especially as a woman trying to navigate a career in the business world. So I've, I've gotten myself trained to um, use the Clifton Strengths assessment and help people understand what their true strengths are and how do you apply them and what do you do with those. So I can use that with just anyone in general, or I could use it with some team at an at a office building in an organization in a corporation where they want to know what is the strengths of the team? What's missing? Maybe there's um, too many with certain strengths and not enough with other strengths that are really missing. I can use that also with underperforming employees, someone who's just not quite making it. Is it because they really aren't cut out for that job? Is there a different job in the corporation that they're better suited for? Or are they really not a good fit for the company at all? And that will take some time to work through. And then, of course, on the spiritual side, since we've talked all about that, there's a, you know, for Christians, there's lots of progress we can make on their walk and helping them overcome things from a Christian perspective. Do you also work with men or just women, Diane? Typically, the one-on-ones have been with women. Yeah. So my focus there is women. In a corporate environment, it's very likely there will be men. 
because most teams are not comprised totally of women <laughs> and so on and so forth. So so that's kind of takes a whole different complexion when you when you talk on the corporate side or the professional side and career and so on. And another question for you about strength. When you talk about that, what comes to mind is gifts. We have unique gifts and talents. Is mm-hmm. that related somehow or... Yeah, they're similar. They're not exactly the same. Right. So in, in the this specific assessment that I was referring to, there are all kinds of different strengths. And I guess someone could look at those words and kind of think, well, that's that could be a gift or that could be a talent. But um, there's there's so, for instance, my top strength is individualization. And what that means in that particular forum is I see people as as individuals, that everyone has their own unique abilities and talents and skills and gifts and so on. Not everyone sees individuals that way. Some group them in these big groups. But I know that every person has very unique gifts. You and I may see, may have the same gift or the same talent, but how it manifests itself in me will be different than how it manifests itself in you because we are different. I love that idea. Yeah, the kind of honoring the uniqueness of us because, yeah, we are so different. Absolutely. And it's beautiful because we need all of these differences. The world needs each individual person because we all bring something unique to the table. We will be talking for a few minutes about this victim idea and uh, mastering our lives. There was a blog post you sent to me. The blog post is titled, Are You a Victim of Life or a Master of Life? And you offered there five steps to shift from victim to master of your life. So before we talk about the steps, I'd like you to describe the experience you had when you went through this victim mindset what did you do and how, in your case, I read that faith and prayer helped you kind of move from that. So, yeah, talk to me for a moment how it felt and how did you became the person that you are today from that mindset? So when I go back and I think about that time frame, I didn't think of myself at the time as a victim. Right. I don't yeah. think I would have labeled myself that way. Having come out of it, I look back and I understand it differently, especially mm-hmm. with the training and all that I've had. But I was, um, I had been married for 10 years to a abusive man, and I didn't understand even that at the time. Right. But I survived it, and we went through a really nasty divorce, and my children were very little at the time, and there was a lot of... Uh, very negative things that occurred during those years. And all of those years of living in that kind of situation affected me greatly in how I looked at myself. So when I was done with the divorce and and moving into single motherhood and and working and trying to navigate life and carry the household and everything else that that goes on a single mom's plate, um, I did not like myself. I didn't feel like I had any confidence in myself at all. I you could not have convinced me that I had anything to offer at that time. Yeah. And I really kind of was stuck in that mindset, even though it wasn't, it wasn't the words that came out of my set, out of my mouth. And yeah. it wasn't 
maybe how others even perceived me. I have no idea. It's how I perceived myself. So when you perceive yourself that way, the choices that you make are impacted by that. Yeah, true. And, and so I was greatly impacted. So I was kind of stuck. I, you know, I didn't feel like I had the ability to make certain decisions or move forward in different ways. And so when I had my salvation experience and came to know Jesus, even then it wasn't immediate, it really took time for me to understand who I was and what I brought to the table and how I was created and the unique abilities and talents and skills and gifts that I was given and how I have something to contribute. And that was a transitional time, but it was over a long period of time. It wasn't like I woke up one day and all of a sudden was, oh, I understand this differently now. (laughs) It took time to get there. Um, And it took different individuals helping encourage me. And so we can't do this. We can't really do this life on our own. We're not meant to do this life on our own. And we need to make sure that we have people close to us who are encouraging us, not enabling us, but encouraging us and challenging us to do better and to move forward, but in a good way, not in a critical condemning way. Yeah, that's a huge unfortunate topic, the abuse. I have heard before that we are our greatest abusers. Like there's no one that will abuse us more than ourselves. And that's why I talk a lot about self-love on this podcast. Would you agree with that, that this lack of understanding of who we are, this uh, not taking responsibility for that uh, part of our lives of kind of doing the inner work, doing the self-awareness, it's crucial because we don't do that, then that's the price to pay. Kind of coming from a place of self-abuse, coming from ignorance, not knowing, then we allow others to do the same. Would you agree with that or would you have a different perspective on it? You know, I never really thought of it as self-abuse, I guess. I think I, I, I'm careful with the word abuse, I think, because it, it can be um, abused. <laughs> I think, yes, we have limiting beliefs and negative thinking and those kinds of things that that so many, especially women, deal with. But I don't I don't know if I would use the word abuse in that. I, th- I typically think of abuse as coming from someone to you. But I, I think there can be self-abuse. Like there are there are people who cut themselves. That certainly is self-abuse. Um, so I think, yes, there are ways to be self-abusing. But if it's inner thoughts that are negative, maybe it depends on the extent and how, how badly they are affecting you. That would be abuse. I'd have to, I'd have to kind of think about that a little more. I think. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It kind of makes sense that if we have negative thoughts and we have this um, lack of self-esteem and self-worth, then those thoughts would become kind of uh, would lead to some kind of pain or painful experiences that we can call abuse. So in a way, we are creating that ourselves because I remember my own experience with that. Yeah, the victim first. That's interesting that you say that you didn't know at the time that was a victim mindset. You're not aware of that. So it was my case too. But I remember doing that to myself, the suffering, the the emotional, the psychological, emotional level. 
it was created by me. Not that the abuse, the physical abuse that I went through, of course, yeah, the head was other people, my parents and all, but most of the, or all of the psychological and emotional pain I was causing to myself, that was like self-caused. I kind of like that idea of taking responsibility for that because then it made me grow into kind of doing what I had to do, going through the mm -hmm. healing work and being mm -hmm. very aware of my thoughts and what I do, uh, the things I say. Perhaps the word abuse is not a good one to use, but I don't know if we can replace that word, Diane. I'm not sure what I would replace it with either at the moment, but I can say for sure that if you're struggling with those negative kinds of thinking and limiting beliefs, like I can't do this and I'm not good enough and I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough and all those kinds of thinking, then there is work to be done and there is help to be had. And if you do the work and you work through that with someone who's skilled and understands how to get you to move forward from that mindset, yeah. then you can come through that and understand fully who you really are and what your identity is and who you how you were created and the gifts that you have and the skills and the abilities and the talents and the strengths that you have and you can relish in those and you can shine in a very different way than when we limit ourselves because we don't think we're good enough and often those thoughts those negative thoughts and limiting beliefs come because of something that happened to us um, that maybe we had no control over. Like, you know, we're not, we don't get to choose our parents. We don't get to choose where we're, what hospital we're born in. And a lot of things that happen when we're really, really little, things happen to us. And even when we're in the womb, a lot of things can affect us. So we don't realize some of those things and we carry them forward. But if we are able to really dig in and do some, some deep work, we can move past them. We do not have to stay stuck. No one has to stay stuck. And I always say, no one, no one ever needs to be mm. abused. That takes being open. I love what you said about we are not alone. So we are here going through this together. So asking, looking for guidance is crucial. It was my case. So many people helped me along the way. So being open is very, very important. What do you suggest for those who are listening and they are going through similar situations that you went through, I went through, what would you say to them to kind of disperse this idea of shame? Because most of us who have been abused, we are in a cloud of shame. Mm -hmm. Sure. Yeah, it's a tough one. To it is. Break yes, it is. Yes, from. it is. Um, and, and because we had been abused, we then make certain choices, which perpetuates the negative thinking. Right. And that adds to the shame. And it just is a vicious cycle. Yeah. So you have to first, you have to make a decision that that person out there who's listening, you need to make a decision that you no longer want to live that way. Mm, right. And then you have to be willing to do what it takes to work through it. Working through it is not easy. And sometimes you have to dig into what's occurred in order to move past it. You can't ignore it. You can't squelch it. You can't stuff it down and throw it away without working through it right. because it will come back out somewhere down the road. Right. So when we're hurt, when we've been offended, when somebody's done something, we have to face it and talk about it. And you need to find someone that you can trust 
someone that has experience and training if you really need uh, some kind of professional help depends on the level and the extent of what you're dealing with maybe yeah. it's it's just a really trusted friend that can talk with you maybe it's a counselor maybe it's a coach maybe it's a pastor maybe it's a parent or a sibling it depends on the relationships that you have yeah and uh, we we need people that we can trust we need someone we can feel safe with and that's one of the things that um, I always make sure my clients know is that you're safe. You can talk about things. There's no judgment here. Right. You can't be judged when you're trying to work through something. You have to be free to be able to express what you need to express. I heard that most, well, it was my case too, of course, relationships, abusive relationships, that it's a very challenging situation to leave I know you had experience with that too. Can you tell me the reasons for that? Why most of them stay? It, that is a very complex question. It's, it's almost like a brainwashing of some sort. It's not always that the person who's the abuser is brainwashing you. They are to an extent, but there's, there's, it's kind of both sides. The person who's being abused has been convinced somehow that they don't have what it takes to step away. And often, especially in marital situations, especially for women, we so often think, surely if I just do it this way, or if I explain myself, that person, my spouse will understand. Surely if I just try harder, they're going to see that I'm not what they say, or I'm not doing what they say. And that is so often just not true. It's like we're in two different realities, the abuser and the person who's been abused. There's a very big disconnect that won't ever be bridged. And we just keep thinking they love us. So it must be me. They love me. But what we ultimately will learn if we are able to step away is they're not loving you the way you think they are. Can you please describe what it looks like? What is, let's say, classified as abuse, would you say physical? It's really easy to tell that that's kind of, uh, but yeah, emotional, the, I think is the big one. There are so many types of abuse. In fact, um, I don't know the number of them, but there is physical, certainly often you can see bruises and things. Those are the ones that seem more obvious, but the emotional, mental, spiritual, financial, sexual, every facet of our being can be abused. And the emotional, mental, and verbal abuse that can come at someone is much, much harder to distinguish. And because someone can say something, oops, it, you know, words spilled out of my mouth one time, and they may have been horrible, it's not necessarily an indication that that person's an abuser. What you need to look for is the pattern over time. And there's typically a cycle. And, and they, you know, you have a good time and everything is great and then things, something happens and then there's a big giant blow up and then there's this reconciliation time and then things are good again and just keep going around in this cycle and you have to be looking for the pattern. When you say patterns would be something that happens every day, twice a day, three times a day, once a week, once a month. Mm -hmm. It varies. <laughs> yeah, that varies. There's there's probably no consistency in that. Like every time it would be once a day or once a week or once every couple of days. 
each individual would probably have their own pattern, but you would see it repeating over and over again over time. So maybe the best way to approach that is uh, the nature of the pattern in a sense of feelings, right? The way we feel and how often we don't feel confident or we feel sad and depressed. That kind of was my case. Like that's how I could tell. And we have to kind of take a look at why are we feeling those things? What's causing it? And we have to own our own feelings. And that's, to me, a very big thing. So while we're getting into the article, I was just going to say something that's actually in, in the blog. <clears throat> Excuse me. The It's very important to own our own emotions and feelings. Someone may do something and because of the way they did it, I feel something, but they didn't make me feel that. And that's a really important distinction. A distinction. We need to really be careful with that. So I want to own my feelings. I feel angry. I feel hurt. I feel sad, whatever it is. I feel it because when you did this, I feel that as opposed to you made me feel. There's a big difference there. So while we are talking about this um, navigating the strength, per se, or this master thinking that you speak of, talk to me about other characteristics of that. How does a master thinker or somebody who is trying to master their lives, how do they think? How do they behave or choose to behave? Well, that's a big word right there. Choose. You choose how you'll respond to what happens in your life. You don't have to do what someone else expects you to do. You get to choose. Now, sometimes we may choose what the expectation is because it's the right and best thing in the moment. Uh, there are there are certain times you have to do what's expected, like there's laws in this world, right? So we have to follow certain laws that that's, you know, we don't, we may have a choice, but usually the choice against those isn't very positive, right? So yeah, true. <laughs> yeah, but we do get yeah. to choose as opposed to feeling like, and, or thinking or believing, I don't have a choice. I don't have a choice. I'm stuck here. I can't do anything about it. Well, often that's not the case. Often you can choose something different. It may take work. It may be hard. It may be difficult, but you can choose to do something different. And while we, when we work through things, we need to work through things that happened in our past. We don't want to dwell on our past. We want to live in the present and look forward to the future. And that's uh, one of the things in the coaching realm. So if I'm coaching someone, I may have to talk with them about their past so we can work through it. But it's always with the goal and the focus of looking forward. I want them to move forward. So in order to move forward, we have to get rid of what's holding you back. We need to take action to solve issues. We don't want to stay stuck anymore. We have to decide it's time to move forward. I want to solve what the whatever the problems are, whatever I'm dealing with. We have to be able to, to look at things a little differently and not feel so helpless. We're not helpless. We really have things we can do to help ourselves. And we need to decide we're important enough to help, to get help. We can talk about the five steps to shift from victim to master. You talk the third step. I love that. Be kind and compassionate to yourself. Practice self-love. That's a big one for me. I mean, that has helped me incredibly. Acceptance and then self-acceptance, but also accepting what had happened and moving forward, as you said. That was yes. a big one. So... The five shifts, the five steps. The first one, not sure if you talked about earlier, maybe you have. Start replacing you with I. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. Talk to me about that for a moment, Diane. Yeah, so I talked a little bit about it before. But so, for example, I'll just go right from the blog article. Instead of saying to someone when you're in an argument, you make me angry. Well, they didn't make you angry. You feel angry. Yes, there's not you can't deny the emotion, but own the emotion and say, I feel angry when you say this or I feel angry when you do that, whatever it is. And that shift helps you to take responsibility for how you feel. It also does something else when you're in an argument, especially when you say to someone you and you use that word, it's an accusation. And what happens in in that situation is that person's not going to be very likely to be empathetic towards you or to hear your feeling. They're going to get defensive because now you're accusing them. But when you say, I feel this, when you do this, I feel that, there's a whole different sense that goes along with that. There's not an accusation with that. It's just talking about the interaction that occurs and what happens to me. Yeah. And that can be heard in a very different way. Uh, step two, yeah, you have been talking about the, the mindset, is shift your mindset to see yourself as a, a master of your life. So this is your message. It's a very important message to kind of see yourself as important so mm-hmm. you can choose from that place. Absolutely. We have to look at ourselves that we have survived things. We've overcome things. No one gets through life without any of that. We all have survived something and we all have good things. Um, I know I've had a client one time I asked her, just write down the things that you do well. And she looked at me like, what do you mean? And I said, just think about it. It could be the littlest thing. Like I watered the plants today. It doesn't matter. Something you did well. Like you have to start looking at yourself and finding even the smallest little things that you do well and start encouraging your own being and talk to those who are closest to you and ask them what they see, because I bet they see something very different than what you see when you have those negative voices inside. And then step four, ask yourself, what can I learn from what happened to me? Mm-hmm. That's lessons, right? Learning lessons. Yeah, better questions. So too often we say, why did that happen? Why this? Why that? And I always feel like the why question gets us stuck. Yeah. And it's often with negative, negative uh, tones. True. But if we can think about asking ourselves better questions, what can I learn from this? How can I grow from this? Mm-hmm. Those are better questions. They're more forward looking questions and they're going to get your mind thinking in a more positive direction. Yeah. Because your brain now is searching for the answers to those questions as opposed to the why, which keeps you stuck. And then five, step five, practice gratitude and thankfulness. That's a beautiful message. Yeah. It's so important. There's always something you can be thankful for every day. Yeah. We could identify five things at least. There's often so many more, but if you even just set yourself up, what five things can I be grateful for today? I got up out of the bed. I have running water in my house. I was able to breathe today. It doesn't matter. There's always something we can be grateful for. And we can we can be kind toward others and we can we can be nice. We can we can really be nice people if we try. And I think if you are doing Um, some of the things we just talked about, if you're kind and compassionate to yourself, it's easier to extend that to others. If you're practicing self-love, it's easier to do that for others. 
And we have to remember that we are so much more than the things that have happened to us. And the, the fact that somebody hurt us, we are so much more than that. And we shouldn't limit ourselves. So be grateful that, that you are living and breathing and we have whatever we have in this life to enjoy. Thank you so much, Diane. That's, yeah, it's a wonderful place to be, space to be, like now talking to you, listening to you. It's very peaceful and, I mean, it's true. It's so true. It's so yeah. true. It, this is a miracle to be alive. So why not celebrate that? Celebrate, absolutely. And I always encourage my clients, do something to celebrate when you have a good moment. Oh, I did this thing we've been working on and I had a good week. Great. What are you going to do to celebrate? And then this kind of silent, like, oh. And, you know, so if you're trying to manage your weight, well, you don't want to go out and eat a piece of cake, obviously. But, you know, there's other things. Maybe dance around the house or go for a walk or call a friend and tell them about the success you had. There's always some way to celebrate. And it seems so simple in common sense in a way. Why not to invite more joy and more fun and playfulness into our lives? But for some reason, we get caught up in the seriousness of doing things, work, getting yes. things done, and we kind of forget. Mm. Yeah, that. Yes, we do. It's easy to forget because it, this life is so busy and it's so jam-packed with information uh, overload, everything. We, no matter where you turn, there's always, you can't go anywhere anymore without like a TV on or something, right? Everybody's on their phones. You see, you see couples in restaurants as things are opening up. I don't know what we'll see, but in the past, people with their phones and two people sitting at a table, they're not even talking to each other. They're on their phones, you know, texting or reading or whatever they're doing. Right. So interact with people. Thank you so much again, Diane, for the reminder, because every time I hear that myself, I become lighter on the other hand, because yeah, we tend to, I guess that's what you said, we're just caught up in the... In my case, the computer, like being here all the time. I, I mean, I love this. So even if we love what we do, we need to balance uh, with other areas of our lives. Absolutely. Yes, there is. There is a work life balance and there is a, just a general balance in life. Yes. And we need to we need to find our way through that sometimes. And again, it's about choices. It's yeah. really about our choices that we want to make. I do have a few more questions for you. The ending questions. Would you like to add anything? Well, I just I just hope whoever's listening may be encouraged and inspired to take some steps if you need to. Um, if you don't need to, maybe you know someone who needs to take some steps to get healed, to get hope. There is hope in this world. So to get the help that you need for that, there's just so much more to life and you can really shine. And we need you. We need you. Yeah. This world needs you. And my final questions to you, it's three of them. What is another word for healing? What comes to mind as of now? Wholeness. Yeah. Fulfillment. Mm. Uh, I think those are the two that really pop immediately in my mind. Yeah. When we are when we're healed, there's a wholeness, you know, even on a physical, you go to the doctors and uh, oh, I'm all better now, I'm healed. So yeah. you're whole, you feel whole and you feel fulfilled. And two more questions. If you knew you would die soon, meaning leave in the body, would you make any change or do anything in a different way? I don't know that I would do much different, honestly. Yeah. I I believe I have, I think years ago, I, I think I kind of 
in my mind thought, you know, if I really care about someone, I'm going to tell them. If if I'm struggling with something, I'm going to be honest yeah. in, a, in a loving way, of course, but in, I'm going to do those things. And so the people that are closest to me, I tell them I love them. And I don't have any regrets in that way. I've apologized to people that I've as soon as I'm convicted in my heart that there's something to apologize for, I'm trying to, you know, live up to that. So, no, I don't know that I would do much different. Um, you know, if I had unlimited funds, maybe I'd travel around the world. But other than that, uh-huh, <laughs> I don't that know that good. I, you know, but I have unlimited funds, so it really depends on, you know, if I got a, a great inheritance or something, you know, and then and I could do that and then go, yeah, that, that I might do. But um, other than that, no, I think I just I just enjoy being who I am. I ask this question often and I love when I get that answer. This answer you gave, I wouldn't change much or I wouldn't change at all. I'm living the life I'm supposed to be living. That's a beautiful answer. And my last question is, what are three things about life you know for sure as of this moment? I know Jesus is real. I know there is a fulfilling joy in life that can be had by anyone. And I know that there is so much more love than we ever even understand in our human flesh. Thank you so much again, Diane, for your message, your wisdom, the work you do, uh, your beautiful, peaceful presence and everything else in between that can be felt. Uh, Thank you so much for having me on today. And before we say goodbye, where can we find more information about you, your services, products, courses, and future projects? Sure. The best place to go is my website, www.preciousstonescoaching.com. And if you put slash resources, there are some free resources that you can get to help yourself. Wonderful. I'll have the link on your podcast profile. Thank you so much again. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Valeria. Bye for now, Diane. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Diane McKim and her work, please visit PreciousStonesCoaching.com. To learn more about this podcast, please visit FitForJoy.org slash podcast. Thank you again for listening, and bye for now.